0: Get the meaning behind the numbers, and
1: more. There's been a lot of conversation around Ottawa and Montreal and Edmonton and, of course, the Leafs. I think Calgary is probably the best Canadian team, you know, especially with this last 20, 30, 40-game run. Backlund has been a big part of that, getting Kachuk in there and with how well that he has played. They've been a a better possession team over the last 30, 40 games. I think the Flames have a chance to do some damage in the playoffs, you know, especially if they get good goaltending from Brian Elliott.
0: This is TSN Hockey. Hockey analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey.
2: Welcome to another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81. Guests today are usual TSN.ca hockey columnists, Travis Yost and Scott Cullen, as well as the editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, James Myrtle. Special guest this week, co-founder of Hockey Analytics website, WiserFans.com. Mark Uramian will join me a little bit later on. But to kick it off as he usually does, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Travis, how's it going?
3: I'm doing good, Andy. How are you doing today?
2: Good, good, my friend. Uh, so, last week we talked about perfect playoff matchups, but you wrote about playoff uh, matchups that most intrigue you this week on TSN.C. What, what are a couple of those?
3: So, there's a, there's a few really interesting, and I think primarily it's in the central division. So, if you kind of last week what we talked about was, is it meaningful if a team beats up on another team in the regular season and actually, and those two teams play in the postseason, the actually the answer is yes. So if a team outscores another team at evens during the regular season, they are 67% likely to win that playoff series if they play at that, which is an astoundingly high number, higher than, as higher higher than any other metric that we've ever used, uh, a single metric anyway. Um, if you look at the St. Louis Blues this year, they've kind of had a super weird season, right? Like they had a lot of talent, they skate really well at 5-on-5, five five. they did not get Any goaltending in the first half of the year pretty much got their coach fired because of it, playing better of late. And if you look at how they've played in the regular season, they have this weird dynamic, and the dynamic is this. They do not do well against the majority of their division. Like, they have not played well against Nashville. They have not played well against Minnesota. But the interesting matchup is that they have played very well against Chicago Blackhawks, which is interesting because I think the Chicago Blackhawks are – emerging as the favorite in the Western Conference hmm. and if you're Chicago, you know, they used to be able to rest on the laurels of, hey, look, we own this team. We own the St. Louis Blues. They can't beat us in the playoffs. I mean, how many years did Chicago reign supreme over that St. Louis right. organization? And I mean we talked into the lead up of that playoff matchup last year and even last year it was the first time I was ever I don't think Chicago's that good this year and I'm I'm betting on St. Louis to the series. It was a close series, but St. Louis did pull it out. Kind of the same dynamic here, like Chicago is gonna be a favorite if they draw St. Louis in the first round, like, I don't know if that's the best matchup for the Blackhawks. Hmm. The Blues skate very well. They're getting goaltending. They've played them very competitively for about two years now. Um, it, clearly, the Blues have lost or stripped away that notion of we can't beat the Blackhawks that used to hang over them like uh, like Igor's Cloud, I guess. But <laughs> they, they, This is a matchup that I don't know that I think Chicago would much rather play. Either one of the crossover games, or uh, Nashville's another tough team. I don't. I don't know that Chicago's going to have an easy first round matchup. But to be perfectly honest, if they can, if they have the opportunity of a crossover, I haven't looked at the uh, the standings breakout yet. I think they would prefer that over playing one of uh, St. Louis and Nashville.
2: What about a lower seed that you feel might be primed for an upset? Because going into the playoffs each year, right? That's that's what people. Okay, well, like in in March Madness, all right. What what, what lower seed is going to be able to pull off the upset? Who who kind of stands out to you there?
3: Man, I have three, so I feel like in at least the past two seasons it's been kind of top-heavy outside of L.A. Uh, L.A. had come into the playoffs a couple times as a lower seed, and they were a team I felt pretty comfortable about. Um, There's three teams this year that I think could legitimately win their first round, depending on what the matchup looks like. But I think the most most likely team to emerge out of the first round of the lower seeds is going to be Boston. (laughs) Now, it's assuming Hmm. Boston... I, they they are have had one of the weirder seasons that I can remember. Like they lead the league at five on five shot differential. They have or, inarguably the best line in hockey in the Patrice Berger online. And they have an all time great defenseman and an all time great goaltender who hasn't played very well this year. Right. So basically it's the only reason why they're where they are is because they haven't gotten the goaltending, but man, like that, that is not the one switch that you want to be concerned about. If a team flips, then you're like, Oh, we're up the Creek because you know, Boston has every ingredient of a team that usually wins in April, except for the goaltending piece. And while I don't like to bet on teams who just, you know, I, I, there's no reason to believe their goaltending is going to necessarily improve, Rask for the nine years predating this season has been great. And I, I still ask, hey, is this a guy that, uh, that could turn it around in a seven-game series or through the playoffs? I mean evidence suggests yes, I don't yeah. know that what we've seen has been representative of his skills. I would be concerned about playing Boston, and then in the West, Nashville and Calgary, like uh, both of these teams are again, they skate really well at even strength, like you those are the teams that you generally want to avoid. Calgary has I would argue the best pairing in the NHL Nashville has one of the best defenders in the NHL in a four line group that that can match up against pretty much any team it, those are those are Three teams, I would say, depending on who they draw up against, have a very real shot at winning in the first round.
2: In conversation with Travis Yost of TSN.ca on the MegaCity Roofing Hotline. For almost 20 years, MegaCity Roofing's Homestar award-winning customer service and quality has helped homeowners across the GTA. For your next new roof or repair, visit MegaCityRoofing.com. Travis, you touched on the Blackhawks a little bit earlier, but where would you rank Patrick Tain amongst the league's best, especially as hot as he's been over the last 20-plus games?
3: Man, he, if Connor, he, he's kind of in his weird statistical season where we're seeing it in the NBA, right? Like where there's a lot of debate between, hey, James Harden's having an all-time great season. And, oh, by the way, so is Russell Westbrook. So you got right. to choose between one of the two as an MVP. It's the same thing this year in the NHL, right? Like Connor McDavid's had an incredible year. Patrick Keynes had an incredible year. There's like four or five guys you could easily see winning a hard trophy. And uh, it, there is more increase, as, as Chicago has played really well, and I wrote about this Thursday. The Blackhawks, for like 80 games, the last 40 games of last year and the first 40 games of this year, were an extremely average team. Not impressive at all. And a lot of it was because they were top-heavy. Like their first and second lines played really well, and their third and fourth lines got the Keith kicked in when they were out there. And they have turned it around, especially in the last 30 or so games. I mean, they are rapidly outchancing their opponents. They, they still have that core group of talent between Tane, uh, Kane, Taves, Duncan Keith, you know, Marion Hose, the guys who just will dominate every time they're out there. And when you have that kind of blend, you create a very, very successful team, right? Like, that that's the exact type of team you're looking to avoid. Right. And Kane is Kane is the biggest driver of that, right? Like, a lot of people talk about how important Taves is to the organization and how great he is defensively, and those are all very real things. But let's be honest about one thing here. Jonathan Taves, for his elite as he is defensively, and he is freaking elite, like we should not understate that, he does not score the way you can – like. If he had that same type of scoring touch that a lot of the other forwards around the league have, combined with his defensive skill, he would be a one-man army. Sure. But he doesn't have that, that scoring ability, and it kind of, it's a, it's a good thing for Chicago, but it kind of makes him a bit reliant on Kane to do the heavy lifting in the offensive zone. And it, they kind of work well together, right? Like Kane does the heavy lifting offensively, Taze clears it up defensively, and it's kind of a match made in heaven. But, like, I, I, I think we sometimes lose the forest for the trees with the Taze-Kane debate because everyone talks about how hey, Taze is great, Taze is great, Taze is great. If Chicago didn't have Patrick Kane these years, you kind of wonder where they would be at because he has been far and away their most productive score.
2: Right. Yeah. And and then you wouldn't more pressure would be put on Taves to score. Where as you said, it is that perfect blend where all right, hey, Kane can do that while he focuses on kind of the complete game.
3: Yeah. Exactly that. It's and and I don't know, I don't even know that Taves has that ability in him like Mm -hmm. i think he is an elite first line center but if there's one knock on him he is not the most offensively gifted forward like he does a lot of things very well he's almost impossible to push out of those dirty areas on the ice right in front of the crease like he's really good up front he wins a lot of puck battles along the boards but like he doesn't have this elite shot that you see from you know the the game's highest end centers he doesn't have like breaking world speed he, he doesn't have that and i think that's kind of why you see Taves every year it puts in 60 65 70 points and that's that's fantastic but it's also the reason why kane's outscored him most years
2: sure uh last one for you here travis of carolina and tampa bay which team do you think could do more damage in the playoffs if they got in it, it is a bit of a long shot. you have tampa bay as of saturday 85 points carolina 84 boston has 88 win the second and final wild card spot so it's a bit of a long shot. but if one of them pushes through who do you think is more dangerous
3: so, I, this, no one wants to hear this answer, but I going to give it. Uh, Carolina is playing a bit better, but I would not want to play Tampa Bay. And the reason mm. is this. They've got the ace in the hole, right? I read a quote today. Steven Stamko said, I might be ready tomorrow. I might not be ready for a month, but mm. I'm making progress. And, like, I mean, <laughs> the reality is, if the teams are comparatively close, but with one team I get the chance of bringing in Steven Stamko, it's one of the league's best forwards. I'm going to try to avoid that situation. With right? fresh legs? You know, Yeah. It, it, yeah. The, the, and the, the other thing that people forget is the playoffs are spaced pretty well, right? So, you know, the playoffs might start at the 10th, 11th, or 12th. I don't know what it is this year in April. It's always like the 2nd mid-second week of April. But, you know, by the game three, game four, game five, you're another full week into the calendar. Like, you're pretty much playing one-on, two-off, or one-on, one-off, and then, you know, uh, one-on, two-off. So there's plenty of space and breaks in the calendar. So if Stamkos is truly, like, two weeks away, Man, he, he could easily be back for game two or three. Again, I think both are both are somewhat long shots here to make the playoffs, but I, I would not want to play Tampa Bay. No, and I'm pretty sure Washington does not want to play Tampa Bay, <laughs> by the
2: way. No, that'd be interesting to see. Uh, Travis, great stuff as always, buddy. We'll do it again next week.
3: All right. Take care,
2: Andy. That was Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Get him on Twitter, at Travis Yost. After the break, James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto, joins me to talk Leafs, Sharks, playoffs, and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, TSN 1200, and on iTunes.
0: Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Now back of the goal, Hyman wraps, and in front of the net, score! Austin Matthews!
2: Welcome back to the show. This is TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara, and you're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa on iTunes and SoundCloud. Get us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81. Joining us, as he usually does, James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto. James, how are you doing, buddy?
1: Hi, Max. How are you, Andy?
2: Doing well, sir. And uh, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's get right into the Leafs' youth here. So much discussion this week around Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner breaking rookie records and really leading this team offensively. Do you get the impression that Matthews is destined to take over as the captain of the Maple Leafs and perhaps as early as
1: next season? I, I, the timing of it is, is tough to peg because I know that Lou Lamorello is not a guy that likes to thrust his youngest players into the spotlight. He likes the veterans to kind of carry the way. So, you know, I, I don't know if Matthews is going to get the captaincy next fall, but I think he's ready for it. I think if they do go that route, that he's going to be he's going to be able to handle that. Just I just look at his personality and the way that he, he deals with the media, the way that he handles pressure in games. He's a guy that, that thrives on pressure and. His idol is Jonathan Taves, captain of the Blackhawks. That's the guy that he wants to be like. Um, Austin Matthews wants to be a leader of the team. He wants to, to be the captain. So whether it's, it's next year or the year after, I think that, yeah, he is destined to be that. And the timing is just something that the Leafs are going to have to figure out.
2: Yeah, he seems mature beyond his years to be able to handle that. Uh, For sure, yeah. James, we look at the Leafs currently with a 91% chance of making the playoffs. They've set themselves up pretty nicely to all but guarantee themselves a playoff spot, third seed right now in the Atlantic. However, they are two points back of Ottawa for second seed in the Atlantic. What do you think the likelihood of them being able to catch Ottawa, uh, having at this time each playing 76 games, um, what do you think the chances of that are?
1: They've got a reasonable shot at it. There's somewhere between 20 and 25 percent chance that they can get up and get a nice advantage in the first round, which you know we would have thought was crazy talk uh, yeah. even a month or two ago, and certainly at the beginning of the season. You know they they put themselves in such a good position because they're nine two and one in their last 12 games, so they've just been really really hot. The only reason I'm a little bit skeptical that they're going to be able to pass Ottawa is because the Leafs' schedule is really <laughs> difficult, but most difficult of, of all the teams. Uh, that are battling for playoff position right now. I just look at that. They've got a back to back Monday, Tuesday with uh in Buffalo and then at home against Washington. And they've got a Tampa team that's desperate to win the game on Thursday. And then they've got another back to back against two of the teams in the in Pittsburgh and Columbus. You know, the Leafs all have to win here against Detroit to themselves up. If they if they want to finish second or third in the Atlantic and boost to Detroit, it's gonna be tough going just because of the teams are playing and the schedule they've got, and it, it might come down to where they're only going to be able to get in with the wildcard spot.
2: Yeah, and let's look at that game Saturday night in Detroit. Maple Leafs' final time at the Joe Lewis Arena before they, uh, the Red Wings say goodbye to that facility. And uh, Red Wings, of course, eliminated from the postseason this past week for the first time in 25 years. It's always talked about what a run for the Red Wings, but the first time in a quarter century they will not be making the playoffs. One real positive story for the Red Wings has been the play of their uh, one of their veterans, Hendrik Zetterberg. Do you see him as part of the plans for Detroit going forward, considering that General Manager Ken Holland said he's not interested in a painful rebuild?
1: Well, I think it's going to be painful in Detroit, whether or not hmm. they call it a rebuild or what they call it. Right. You know, they've got a lot of bad contracts there. You know, Ken Holland has made some mistakes with some of the veterans that he's given a lot of term to, and they're almost gonna to have to do what Lou Lamarello did last year with Leafs and try and guys and try and trade some of those bad deals and really try and free up some cap space because you know, I like some of the young players they've got. I like Dylan Larkin and you know, uh Manta and Anthisio and, and like they, they've got some really good talent. There, but they've also really bad guys. a lot of declining players that are signed for too long. So you know, it's um It's a tough situation, and I think that if Ken Holland can convince Zetterberg to move on can convince some of these guys that it's for the good of the rest of their career and the good of the Red Wings, then maybe that can happen. But it just seems like the Red Wings, for the longest time, have been kind of in denial about where they are. And where they are is they're one of the worst teams in the NHL right now.
2: Yeah, and before we move on from this game, James, uh, any memories for you that stick out? Uh, from your time being at the the Joe Lewis Arena, the historic Joe uh, between the Leafs and Red Wings over the
1: years? Yeah, the first time I went was actually as a fan, mm. and uh, a friend of mine, just we decided on a whim to kind of drive down there. We got to right when the opening faceoff was starting. We bought tickets at the box office right out front, and it was uh, Phoenix Coyotes and Detroit Red Wings, and we had good seats. And it's The atmosphere there is really cool. Just If people haven't been, they should try and go to one of the final games if they can get down there maybe even on a whim right now, decide to, to pick up and get down there for the game. But, you know, I really like the atmosphere. I really like, you know, you get the sense that there's some hockey history there. And yeah, it's kind of a stinky old barn. And some, <laughs> people, some people call it a dump. And, you know, the press box there is probably the worst in the league. And there's, you know, there's, but there, there's a lot of character there and it was neat to be in the media and you're kind of in the bowels of the arena, walking around and, I remember one time I went there as a really young reporter. It might have been my first or second time there for work and Ken Holland it was a day off for the teams. Ken Holland invited me into his office and he just spent an hour talking to me about Wow You know, the Red Wings. And yeah, it was it was really, really cool. And from Vernon, B C, which is about a half hour from my hometown of Kamloops, and uh we kind of bonded a little bit over that or where we came from and here we are sitting in his office and he's won these Stanley cups and it was, it was a neat experience. And, and the building was part of the memory just because of, you know, you just, you just got the sense that this is a really, this is an old place where a lot of neat things have happened.
2: Very cool story. In conversation with James Myrtle on the FilthyPhillies.com hotline, check out the Fill Up Meal Deal, folks. For only nine ninety nine, you get a delicious fill size original Philly cheesesteak, fill size fries, and a twenty four ounce drink. Upsize your fries to a poutine for just two bucks. Visit FilthyPhillies.com. James, let's move on to the Carolina Hurricanes here. What a run they're on! Registered uh, a point in thirteen games with a record of nine zero and four to set a franchise record. Even with this hot streak, though, the playoffs seem unlikely for Carolina. But what do you think this means for the Hurricanes next year?
1: They need the goaltending. I mean, that's been yeah, a big story for true. them. I, I I really, really like the roster that Ron Francis is putting in place there, even with all of the turmoil. He's got a lot of all the turmoil in terms of what's going to happen with ownership there. Um, you know, a lot of off ice problems for Ron Francis is a player. And I can tell talking to him and seeing the roster that he's put together that he's a really smart. The Hurricanes draft really well. They've incorporated analytics extremely well. They hired Eric Tulsky, who might be, you know, in my opinion, the smartest guy, Harvard-educated guy, that's running their analytics department. And um, the young defensemen that they brought in there with Hannifin and-, and Pesci and uh, Slavin have all played really, really well. Hurricanes are a tough team to play, but the Leafs have beaten them this year. But you know, they've been very, very close, tight-checking games. And they've got a really great coach in Bill Peters. So I think with the goaltending they've had, you know, they're going to have to wait and, and do it next year. But, you know, I think that they can be a team that, that really shocks a lot of people next year.
2: James, what about the Minnesota Wild kind of going in the other direction? Real good uh, for, for a large chunk of the season, but 2-6-2 uh, and two in their last 10. Have they been essentially just riding the wave of Devin dubnik uh f- for the majority of the season or do you think they are still a threat to do some damage in the west
0: yeah i mean
1: that's that's a good question i think that their threat level has been downgraded significantly with what yeah. happened the last 15 or 20 games they've got some aging guys like parise and Suter, and and obviously uh, eric Stahl, you know it's they're kind of need to be in a win now mode because of the composition of the roster and some of those guys are going to be declining and they're on big contracts so it's a tough spot that they're in I, i i don't mind their team i think that they're probably in that second tier or maybe you can even argue the third tier but they need devin dubnik to be a star for them to to go deep in the playoffs and the west is weaker this year but it's not really weak especially not with how well chicago's played lately so they're in they're in tough because I look at some teams that they potentially could face in the first round. Uh, I really like the way that Calgary's played lately. Um, I think that San Jose, even though they've struggled, I think that they've got potential, and Chicago is is a juggernaut. So they're going to be in tough, for sure, coming out of the Central.
2: Well, and you mentioned San Jose there, even on a, a worse streak in their last 10 than Minnesota, 2-8-0. And they blew the division lead. Uh, the Pacific Division has really seemed to open up there. Um, yeah. Brent Burns has cooled off. I, do, you, do you still think the Sharks are are trending upwards, or could this be a recipe for an early playoff exit?
1: Another team that they have to be in win now mode, because Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe and, you know, Vlasic's contract's going to be up in down the road, and, you know, I know Tyler Delo did a piece for us at The Athletic, looking at whether Vlasic was, was declining already. You know, they they need to go for it, and I still like their team. I still believe in San Jose. They were in the final last year. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they've taken a huge step back from that, so... You know, even though they've struggled here down the stretch, I mean, I think part of it, we just we couldn't expect Brent Burns to continue what he had done all year. I mean, there were a lot of people talking about the Hart Trophy and the Norris Trophy, and the numbers that he's put up were just incredible. I think that it was going to cool off seeing, but I still believe that he can be one for the West for sure.
2: James, thank you so much for taking the time. We'll uh, talk to you next week.
1: Okay. Thanks, Andy.
2: That was James Myrtle, editor-in-chief of The Athletic Toronto. Check out his great work at The Athletic Toronto. Guys, the nice weather is coming, which makes it the perfect time to get your roof repaired or a brand new one. That's why you need to go to Mega City Roofing. They've put customer satisfaction and quality first for almost 20 years and are four-time winners of Homestar's Best of Awards. Tom and his crew did the job right the first time. So trust your roof to Mega City Roofing. Check them out at megacityroofing.com. That's megacityroofing.com. After the break, Mark and co founder of the analytics site wiserfans.com, joins me. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050, TSN
0: 1200, and on iTunes. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. <laughs> Welcome back to TSN Hockey
2: Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa on iTunes and SoundCloud. I'm Andy McNamara. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Myself at AndyMC81. Very interested to talk to our next guest, co-founder of WiserFans.com, and hockey analytics website, Mark Uramian on the line. Mark, how's it going? Good, thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Oh, my pleasure. So uh, before we get uh, too deep, tell us a little bit about your bra- background in the, the world of analytics, what drew you to developing this, uh, the website uh, initially?
4: Uh, yeah, so the Wiser Fans is, uh, was developed by, by my brother Chris and I. Um, we're, we're just long-time hockey fans. Uh, we live in the city of Montreal. Um, obviously, being in Montreal, it's a big hockey city. Hockey's like a religion here. We really just we grew up watching the sport and never really missed a, a Habs game. Um, and we really love the, the numbers side of the sports. We love we love the analytics side. We thought that it paints a really cool picture of of the sport and gives you a different perspective when you when you look at the numbers be, behind the game. And uh, we, we would often consult these analytics sites for our for our fantasy sports pools or, or just for, for general interest. And um, we kind of found that they were, they're cool and they offer a lot of insight, but a lot of the time the, the data was uh, sometimes complex or just overloaded with information and, and not always easy to understand or, or, or really sometimes visually hard to, to kind of comprehend. So, um, yeah, we set out to, to create a platform that would be a bit more user-friendly and, and, uh, and easy to consume. Um, and yeah, and that's what, what really ultimately led us to wanting to, to, to create wiser fans.
2: Yeah, it, it's great, right? Because people who might want to know more about it or not necessarily how the numbers are useful, it can be overwhelming, right? And so with, with a site like this to help break it down, I think is, um, at least for, for people, even a starting point, um, to learn analytics and, and even for the, the more hardcore, at least gives it a nice kind of simple breakdown. So let the listeners know a little bit about the website how it works and, and how you guys use analytics to to be able to break it down into uh, consumable bits.
4: Right, that's exactly it. it. Is we wanted to kind of figure out a way to to get across this data that we thought was so interesting, um, but how do we make it easier for the average fan really to get involved w- with analytics and be able to to kind of consume it and and turn to to analytics. So. Um, you know we, we we you know looked at a lot of different ways and, and thought a lot about it and and we we thought that power rankings are pretty cool. a lot of people like to do power rankings, and uh, we thought why not combine power rankings and, and analytics? We thought it was a great match, so we said why don 't we come up with a way to to create power rankings that are entirely based on analytics and um, and that way, there's you kind of eliminate the, the bias sometimes that's involved with power rankings, and just create it hmm. uh, completely automated and and automatic. And you know, there's a formula behind it, so there's really no personal intuition that's going through it. It's just it, it updates our model and it and it outputs our rankings, and that's that's really the the premise behind behind our website.
2: In conversation with Mark Yeremian, co-founder of WiserFans.com, Hockey Analytics website, on the FilthyPhillies.com hotline, check out the fill-up meal deal, folks. For only $9.99, you get a delicious fill-size original Philly cheesesteak, fill-size fries, and a 24-ounce drink. Upsize your fries to a poutine for just $2. Visit FilthyPhillies.com. Okay, Mark, so how do you guys um, make it easier for fans to understand the numbers? So if if people go to WiserFans.com, you'll see... Very clean site, very straightforward but how how do you kind of make it make it easier
4: right so we we wanted to really create this this one stop shop like you come on the site you 're able to consume the rankings and by doing so you 're getting a view of of the NHL from an analytics lens right a different way of looking at, at the standings and, and the performance of the team so uh, the way it's laid out right now is that the, the, the rankings are entirely based on on this formula that that uh, that was researched um, uh, you know we spent uh, we spent a lot of time looking at, at years of, of hockey analytical data and tried to find out which which sets of categories um, are correlated with teams having strong performances in the standing so teams that, that make the playoffs in a season what categories of analytics do they really do really stand out for these teams um, and based on on the the ones with the highest correlations that's what really kind of set the, the the premise for for our model behind these rankings so by coming to our site and looking at at, at these rankings for both teams and players you're able to get a sense of of what, how teams are performing from this analytical lens. And by extension, we're hoping to to give people a really high-level view of analytics and, and allow people to kind of become a part of that analytics community that's so often talked about.
2: Right, and I see I'm on the team rankings here. So you have even, uh, as simple as people don't know what PDO is? So you have that as um, as the, the one of the, the rankings. But then you just hover over PDO, it tells you what PDO is. You have the capitals yeah. rank number one, but also some other um, icons that make it user friendly. You have the biggest mover, uh, up and down, rising star, slow and steady. Was that all part of uh, to trying to make it as um, as user friendly as possible? Just kind of those those visuals to pop and say, okay, now and as I'm as as people are learning, or it's just a quick look and say, okay, hey, for example, at number seven, uh, the ducks are uh, the biggest mover but are also slow and steady
4: right so yeah that's that's just a a fun part of the website a fun feature that we wanted to add you know the the main purpose of the website is to come on and and take a look at the rankings. so how do we make them a bit more interactive Mm uh make them a bit more fun for for the fans to kind of get a look at and those those icons might help you identify things in the rankings and and in the actual league that you might not have noticed otherwise right so you see uh, you know the, the the biggest mover is a team that's climbing the rankings very quickly, or, um, or sorry, the, the the team that has moved up the rankings the the most, or uh, slow but steady is a team that's slowly kind of making their way up the rankings. You know things that you might not have missed. We have we have a surprise, which is. Really the team that 's ranked the highest but is doing that has a low performance in the actual um, standings in the NHL hmm. so these are just little things to add different insight into the standings um, and then you know we also a big part of our site that we 're putting a lot of emphasis on is really that the the blog part of our page right um, and the content that goes up there, we try to do these analysis posts at least once a week where we highlight a specific team from our our rankings and try to break down the week that was for that team. So what, what data sets really stand out from, from the week that was? What, what, uh, what did they excel at? What, what kind of performance did we see from that team over the week? And how did it impact the rankings and the standing? And, and the way we put that together is we just try to make it simple and, and uh, yeah, easy for the, for the average fan to come on there and, and take a look at it.
2: Yeah, the blog, I was checking out the blog stuff. That's uh, some great work there. Uh, last one for you here, Mark. The player rankings I found fascinating. The, can you take us through the criteria that you use for those player rankings? Right now, you have Nikita Kutrov of the Lightning in first, and he's up uh, 0.3 over the weekly average change. So, what what kind of goes into these these player rankings? Do you sum stuff up and uh, together as an overall look, or how does that come about?
4: Right. So it's, it's very similar to the team rankings. We did a lot of research on, on analytical data categories that are out there, and we tried to identify um, players that are offensively productive, that, that like to put up points, that that have strong performances, that are impactful for their team. What, what categories, from an analytics perspective, do they really stand out in? Uh, and that's that's what helped us formulate the model for for the player rankings. Now, um, it's it's not you know it's there's no bias there at all. It's completely automated. So we had Crosby at the top there for a while, and now Kucherov came came up and he took over that that top spot. But really, what's great about it is, um, and there's always new features that that we're looking to add here. But um, if you take a look at the the players that are moving quickly up these player rankings it might give you again another sense of a player that you might have overlooked before but hey look out for this guy he's doing right. very well in his in his possession metrics he's he's taking a lot of shots he's generating a lot of offensive chances uh so you know take keep an eye on him and and that's really where uh the player rankings provide a lot of value
2: mark where can people find you or the site on twitter
4: on twitter we're at Fan. You can find us, uh, you can like us on Facebook, uh, WiserFans, and the website.
2: Excellent. Good stuff, brother. Let's do it again soon.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for your time, Andy.
2: That was Mark Uramian, co-founder of the Hockey Analytics website, WiserFans.com. And guys, if you're looking to grab some great food to watch the game, you have to try Filthy Philly cheesesteak and Poutinery. They have 12 delicious cheesesteaks to choose from. Or try one of their 26 amazing poutines. Get Filthy at one of their six locations across the GTA. Visit FilthyPhillies.com. That's FilthyPhillies.com. After the break, we'll wrap up the show with TSN.ca's Scott Collin. He'll join me for Heroes and Zeros, as well as top storylines of the week. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, TSN 1200, and on iTunes.
0: Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. You're listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Out of the corner, he scored, off the leg, a feathering pass, oh, it was Jeff Skinner, with standard one, he grabbed it out of the corner after the terabyte, and checking, it, it seemed to go off a blue jacket.
5: Working to the left circle, Colburn, center point, Kutrop,
0: shoots, save made, rebound, Pollard score, Pollard on, on the rebound!
2: Back to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto, TSN 1200 Ottawa on iTunes and SoundCloud. I'm Andy McNamara. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. In his usual spot, Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. Scotty,
5: how's it going?
0: Awesome. How you doing, Andy? Doing well. All right, let's kick it off with... It's time for the best best and worst... Of the NHL this week, hockey analytics, heroes and zeros, with Scott Cullen and Andy McNamara.
5: Okay,
2: Scotty, it's Jeff Skinner as your first hero.
5: Why? Well, the Carolina Hurricanes are making this late season surge. Yeah, Um, you know, staying in the playoff race that everyone had kind of written them off. Well, Jeff Skinner's been a huge part of it. Um, Past eleven games, he has eleven goals, three assists. and 43 shots on goal, which is this is kind of important for Skinner. Is that um, this year he's got 32 goals, which is one off his career high, but his 3.5 uh, shots per game is his best since 2013 2014. He's he's creating more opportunities, uh, and he's kind of back to being a real game breaker for the Hurricanes. Who is hero number two for this week? Uh, Andre Palat, and we're sort of on on the same theme here. The Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, seemed to be dead and buried in the playoff race a while ago. Um, And now uh, with a bunch of injuries, they're still hanging around and winning games. And you might say, well, how are they doing it? Well, it's the contributions from a guy like Andre Palat. Past 11 games, he has three goals, 11 assists. Of course, he almost 55%, and he's playing twenty-one, twenty-five per game in that time. Like, and he's playing a huge role. Now, if he doesn't score another goal the rest of this season, it would be his third straight year with 16 goals, exactly 16 goals, huh. uh, which isn't a whole lot. But he's a very solid complementary player, and he's kind of stepped up at the right time for the Lightning.
2: Okay, so let's go from the top to the bottom. The first zero is one of the hottest names at the NHL trade deadline, but Matt Duchene has been struggling.
5: Oh, <laughs> yes, he sure has. We, we, we even talked about him on video a few weeks. I know. Back, I was like, numbers, wait a minute. <laughs> the numbers continue to get worse, so I couldn't ignore this. Oh. this is, okay, so go back a week before the trade deadline till now. Right. In his past 20 games, Matt Duchesne has one goal, no assists, 25 shots on goal. He's on the ice for two goals, four five on five, 16 goals again. Oh, like, man. This is train wreck territory for Matt Duchesne. Um, you know, and before that, like, up to you know, a week before the trade deadline, he had 36 points in 52 games. Um, you know, a solid, solid season, given how poorly things were going in Colorado all around. Um, but in, in it, if you check his points per 60, because he's playing significant minutes, you know, his points per 60 in those 20 games, like, there's maybe 10 or 12 forwards, you know, fourth liners and so on, who have no points in that time. He Duchene is lower than all the rest. Really, this is, this is a guy you know who plays on Team Canada, and, <laughs> and, and you know. And, and my guess is he's going to get traded at some point in the summer, but he's not doing anything to raise his trade value at the moment.
2: No, the it's, the Avalanche man, they could score a couple to finish the years, pal. Help us <laughs> out, right?
5: Yeah, well, a little something, right? Like yeah. this is this is unbelievable. I haven't I haven't ever seen anything like this from a player of Duchesne's caliber.
2: All right, well, it's gonna be hard to top that. But who's the the final <laughs> zero?
5: Yeah, uh, poor redeem Verbata. Um, and, look, it's been a really good year for him. He's a leading scorer for the Arizona Coyotes, and that's part of the reason I'm, I'm holding him to a bit of a higher standard. Uh, he has two points in his past eight games, but, of course, he's under 41%, which is obviously not very good. Now, here's the thing. In Arizona, there are a bunch of guys who are worse than that over, over the, the last little while. You know, Tobias Reeder, Jordan Martin, or Brendan Perlini, they're all under one-third of shot attempts um, at even strength So over the past two and a half weeks or so. And so, you know, Verbat is not the only one. Uh, having problems and generally over the course of the season he's been pretty good but in the last little while his game's kind of tailed off.
2: So that was Heroes and Zeros. Make sure to follow Scott Collin on Twitter, at TSN Scott and it's work Monday to Friday in Statistically Speaking on TSN.ca. And as you alluded to, our uh, video version of Heroes and Zeros, new names coming up this Monday. So stay tuned to TSN.ca to find out about that. But, uh, Scotty, let's dip into some of the top storylines from the week. The Edmonton Oilers finally returned to the playoffs for the first time since 2006.
5: Yeah, it's... uh. And, and you know, everybody's rushing to, to give credit to Peter Sharelli and, and for all the, the moves he's made to support the team and then you have critics like me who would say, Well, a healthy Connor McDavid goes along with uh-huh. the A&M's no there's there. Now, you know, it's not as though uh, every move they've made has has been wrong. Like like Leandre Seidel has, has turned into a a star, uh, a lot of times playing on McDavid's wing. But on the other uh side, you know, they picked up Patrick Maroon last year and and he's become a really valuable player alongside Connor McDavid. He scored 27 goals this year. Uh he scored 12 last year was and that was a career high. So 27 this year is a, a major step forward. Um and now they still have issues with scoring depth because uh once you start moving guys away from McDavid like Milan Lucic hasn't done a whole lot away from McDavid. Ryan right. nugent hasn't done a whole lot away from McDavid. And so, you know, there are reasonable concerns about their their depth, but you know, the the fact that they have you know, one of the premier lines in hockey is, is going to give them a fighting chance uh, in the postseason. Uh, they they address their defense, uh, and you can question some of the moves. Like I, I've loudly questioned uh, Taylor Hall for Adam Larson and, and <laughs> signing and signing Chris Russell. Um, you know, none of neither of those moves that I think are, are the big needle uh, movers for this team. I think getting a help, Oscar Clefbaum healthy for the season, uh, development from Darnell Nurse. Um, who last year wasn't very good, but he's still young. And so this year he's kind of stepped up his game. Uh, And then they got a a rookie defensive, Matt Benning, who stepped in and and was a real pleasant surprise. And so um, a lot of that, um, you know, there's a lot of changes on the blue line. um, And some of them were were good enough that they've made the Oilers into a playoff contender. And now, you know, on top of all of this, the real kind of big reason, I mean, McDavid, I would say, is the number one reason, but maybe the number two is the play of goaltender Camp Talbot. Yeah, He's, um, he's had a really heavy workload, 69 games so far, 2,027 shots against which leads the league. But in that time, he still has a 921 save percentage. And, and if you go look at uh, Corsica hockey uh, and compare the goaltenders with the actual goals they allow versus expected goals, you know Talbot's numbers look even better because basically what you're finding is the Oilers still give up some some pretty high quality chances, um, and Talbot uh, has been up to the challenge. So you know this is this is great news for the Oilers just to be back in the playoffs. You know it's been it's been a long time, um, and you know because of the way the Western Conference is, they they might even have a, ch- a chance to do some damage. You know, hmm. like I think I think behind the Blackhawks, it gets pretty wide open uh, in the Western Conference. At the same time, um, the Oilers haven't been great in terms of puck possession over the last 20-25 games. Like they're they're down around 47%, which you know ranks sort of in the bottom five of the league in that time. Um, you know, you'd feel a little bit better about their chances if if they weren't getting uh, outshot night after night. And so. You know, look. I, I think if, if Connor McDavid goes crazy, uh, they they may surprise some teams. But uh, it would be much easier to surprise some teams if you're out shooting them every once in a while.
2: Right. Well, but Scotty, they ha- still have a shot. Like the Pacific is wide open with the Sharks tailing off. Uh, They're one point as of Saturday behind the Anaheim Ducks. So who knows? Like with, depending on positioning, they could put themselves in a a great spot too. As you said, make some noise and win a couple rounds.
5: Oh, absolutely. This is this is kind of my. Um, point about it is, as flawed as I might think the Oilers are, you know, they have things to work out. Um, they've done such a nice job, you know, improving the roster and, and getting this great goaltending that, um, because they're, you know, they're basically the rest of the Western Conference still has plenty of teams with flaws too. Um, the opportunity is there for the Oilers to do something, and uh, you know, I, I think when the season started, you know, people thought the Oilers could be better, you know, and improved and maybe compete for a playoff spot. I don't think anybody had them, you know, maybe challenging for the the Pacific Division lead.
2: And Scotty, we also wrote in the top storyline section on TSN.ca that the expansion lists will be made public. We kind of tripped the league a little bit about that before. Hey, maybe they heard.
5: <laughs> I, I, I don't think that they were bothering to listen. Although I've heard, I've heard from some people who were uh, the day the day that we were going off on the, the league about that initial decision. Yeah. But I mean, to me, that sort of that that sort of felt like a trial balloon that the league, okay, no, we're not going to make the list public and we'll see what kind of backlash we get. And they got pretty harsh backlash and decided, okay, well, we're definitely going to have to make the list public. <laughs> and, and look, it, I mean, it makes all kinds of sense. If you want people to be interested and invested in, in the, the expansion draft, then you have to kind of give them some information and allow them to, to play along. And so, I mean, look, for, for somebody like me who spends, you know, I'm, I'm going to spend the next few months uh working on NHL rosters and projecting and all these things you know the fact uh, that this is going to be uh, kind of a, a bigger event uh for the league I think is great
2: yeah to, to put some pizzazz behind it right showcase like have, promote that you have this this team in Vegas like that's not a bad thing
5: well and and that's exactly it is you don't have it, it's not as much about you know, the individual players who are involved and so on. It's about making a big deal about Vegas because frankly, if Vegas is gonna get you know, they're they're likely to get beat down for the first couple of years. It's nice it would be nice to give them a little push off the start so that um you know they they have some positive publicity and um, look I, I think there are, there are ways that Vegas can be competitive uh, but they're going to have to do some real wheeling and dealing because the the players that they get in the expansion draft may not be uh, real cornerstone pieces for them.
2: Well, and they have to they have a couple year head start before the NFL gets to Vegas so they have to try to make that that splash to develop the fan base because if they're no good when the Raiders come in it'll, it could be eh. You know, NFL.
5: Then, then they'll be bringing Derek Carr out to, uh, yeah. to drop the puck. Yes. Right? We need as many Raiders to come by as possible. Come see Derek Carr. Come see Derek
0: Vegas Carr. Game.
2: That's right. Yeah. That's right. All right, Scotty, great stuff. We'll uh, see you Monday for the video edition of uh, Heroes and Zeros. And people, again, can read your work Monday to Friday on Statistically
5: Speaking. Awesome. Thanks a
2: lot, Andy. That was Scott Cullen from TSN.ca on Twitter, at TSN Scott Cullen. All right, that'll do it for another episode of TSN Hockey Analytics. So for producer Joe Narsa and Grady Sass, I'm Andy McNamara. Thanks for listening to the show on TSN 1050, TSN 1200, and on iTunes.